0: Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear.
1: Threat against the Supreme Court. Abortion is... Target the homes of some of the justices. The
2: bully are justices that are going to be making this determination. This is not about the leak. This is about women's health care. Ups and downs in the stock
1: market. April employment report.
2: Strong month for job gains. Russia, Russia wishes, w- wishes w- to destroy everybody. And the Azov steel plots
1: Repeal Title 42. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and
0: Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3. Seven. All right, welcome in. It is news and views for a Friday. Lots lot to talk about today. I do want to lead off with uh, this. As many of you know, uh, former colleague here at Interbanks Media, Trent McGee, who is now the Chamber of Commerce President here in uh, Pitt County of Greenville. Uh, he and uh, three other co-workers were in a very bad automobile accident back on april the 27th there are several efforts within the greenville community to help out these four the community foundation of north carolina east and interbanks media are working together to raise money to cover their medical bills chamber president ceo trent mcgee was in the vehicle with director members relations uh, program kimber stone director of talent and events eileen peacock and director of marketing and communications lauren phillips Um, The crash again happened back on April the 27th, and uh, there is a Donate Here link currently at WTIBFM.com if you want to contribute to that. There's also a QR code that you can scan in, and it will take you to a place to donate. Um, Also, there is going to be um, donations collected at the next concert on The Common, which is May 12th. Uh, where the Chicago Rewired, which is a Chicago tribute band, will be playing. And then also there's going to be a golf tournament on May the 20th at the Greenville Country Club, according to the WTIBFM.com website. Uh, Teams are $500. Corporate sponsorships are $200. If you'd uh, rather give a a check, you can make it out to the Greenville Chamber Team Charitable Fund uh, I, I would recommend you go to WTIBFM.com for more information or interbanksmedia.com and uh, find out more information if you'd like to contribute to that. Now, granted, we recognize that uh, there is going to be through insurance and uh, unfortunately there's probably going to necessarily be a, a lawsuit involved in this. But um, in the short term, there, there's going to be some financial needs Uh, before all that is rectified these uh, folks have families they're dependent on their income and they're going to have just horrendous bills related to this so uh, again we would uh, commend to you to uh, get involved in that if you are able Lots of talk about related to the story that won't go away. It's amazing how one story pops up, and we've talked very little about the situation in Ukraine, although there are a lot of stories out that um, as the longer this thing drags on, while the country of Ukraine is being devastated, it's literally being demolished at the end of the day, there are many people out there that are thinking, you know what? The Ukrainians might actually prevail in this war, but it will— basically wipe out an entire generation uh, of this country. But what has taken that off the front page here in the United States is this whole situation with the uh, leaking of this Dobbs case opinion from Samuel Alito at the Supreme Court. Chief Justice John Roberts yesterday came out. He was speaking down in Atlanta at a judicial conference for the 11th District and he said, a leak of this stature is absolutely appalling. If the person behind it thinks it will affect our work, that's just foolish. Roberts confirmed that, indeed, this was a uh, draft opinion of the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. It was genuine. It dates back to February. He also said, though, this doesn't necessarily represent the final vote or the uh, final opinion. that It will change. This was from back in February. And yet, abortion activists have launched full-throttle campaigns against conservative Supreme Court justices. It is it is quite appalling. It's appalling that the integrity of the Supreme Court is so easily violated. It's also appalling that these people on the left, who so roundly condemned what happened on January 6th of 2021, when a number of protesters went into the Capitol and they were basically labeled as insurrectionists, terrorists. And yet, these same people that said that are now willingly going out and glibly condemning and encouraging protest. Uh, Remember what Chuckle the the Clown Schumer said, that um, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, you will reap the whirlwind. He said that on the steps of the United States Supreme Court. This is is a third of our federal government, the third branch of our government. You've got the executive branch, which is the, the White House, the president and his administration. You've got the legislative branch, which is Congress, and you've got the judicial branch. The judicial branch is a third of our federal government. And these people that, that just decried the fact that the protesters back on January 6th were just tearing apart the very foundations of our government. Suddenly, they're, they're crickets when it comes to what is being said about the Supreme Court. Um, interestingly, the Indian princess came out yesterday and she said, I'm madder than hell. Right-wing extremists, she said, have hijacked the Supreme Court of the United States. This is what Warren said earlier in the week. We must expand the Supreme Court. Oh, nothing extreme about that. (laughs) We must expand the Supreme Court to rebalance it and to defend our basic rights, including the constitutional right to abortion. I think Samuel Alito made it very, very clear, articulately clear, that the Constitution, there's nothing in the Constitution that gives a right to abortion. She went on to say, it's long past time, and we can't let the filibuster stand in our way. Nothing extremist about that. We're going to pack the court, and we're going to do away with the filibuster. I'm madder than hell, she said. I'm determined to fight like hell. Yeah, just like you fought for your Indian heritage. A furious warren Rallied pro-choice supporters outside the Supreme Court on Tuesday, giving an impassioned speech, decrying what she called an extremist court. I'm angry because an extremist United States Supreme Court thinks they're imposed their uh, that they impose their extremist views on all the women in the country, and they're wrong. Waving her finger in the air, passing a federal law making abortion legal could be difficult in Congress. Democrats have a 50-50 majority with Kamala Harris, the tiebreaker vote. And again, Joe Manchin and Christian uh, Cinema have made it real clear they have no intention on doing away with the filibuster. So a court rightly says nowhere in the U.S. Constitution does it talk about the right to killing humans. And therefore, this decision is going to go back to the states. And again, they're trying to paint the picture that – and they're saying they're doing away with our democracy. What's more democratic – than allowing the people to decide this. No, we won't won't allow the majority of justices on a liberal Supreme Court from 1973 to decide that for everybody. But what's interesting about this, and Elizabeth Warren calls this an extremist court, extremist. However, when it comes right out and you follow what the liberals are now saying, you know, it used to be that they would say, well, this is a fetus. This is a a clump of cells. Interestingly, this week, on more than one occasion, liberals have referred to abortion as the taking of a child, the taking of a human being, killing the child. That's not extreme. That's not extreme. You have an innocent human life that you yourself are referring to as a child. And you're telling us that's not extreme. The Federalists yesterday reported that after years of using vague language to couch their quest to end the lives of preborn babies, the left is finally admitting that abortion means killing a child in the womb, killing a child. One day after Biden threatened to use his executive authority to fight a potential Supreme Court decision in Dobbs versus Jackson that would spell the end of Roe v. Wade, he admitted that that abortion ends the life of a child. Verbatim, he said that. Ends the life of a child. And again, these people that say it's extreme to have this decision given back to the people, given back to the states that could be decided state by state, they want, a select liberal majority on the court to decide that for everybody. And Joe Biden says, well, I might use my executive authority to force this out, which he can't. And frankly, the Supreme Court didn't have that right back in 1973. Unlike his allies of Planned Parenthood, Biden seems to understand that abortion doesn't just involve the life of a woman. It also involves the life of a kid. The fact, however, didn't stop him from sullying the scorts the court's tentative move to hand decisions about killing babies back to the States as radical extremist and radical. Those are the words they're using. And uh, re- remember that in the same speech or the same, well, I guess it was the next day Joe called the Trump MAGA make America great again, crowd extremist. Whoopi Goldberg on the view. What a moron. Uh, here's what she said. Uh, you know, these people are just, it's, it's, it is somewhat humorous to watch them foaming at the mouth. She said, my doctor and myself and my child, that's who's involved in making the decision. My child, who, by the way, uh, <laughs> will only benefit if you decide not to abort the child. My doctor, myself, and my child. How, how Exactly how much say does the child get, Whoopi? Doesn't seem to me to have a whole lot of say in it. The ACLU implied that abortion is the decision when and if to have a child. Quote, however, the decision ultimately comes down. The ACLU will never stop fighting for the right to choose when and if to have a child. So all of a sudden, when does this, baby in the womb magically become a child Uh, interestingly uh and and by the way clarence thomas lamented the court's double standard on language surrounding the surrounding the act of uh, murdering unborn children um he said in jones versus mississippi last year it's curious how the court's view of the maturity of minors ebbs and flows depending on the issue Thomas said the court wants to consider juvenile criminals children, but when it comes to young girls having abortions, the court pretends that they are responsible enough to make life-ending decisions. Unbelievable. But they're extremists. And again, yesterday we mentioned the fact that uh, on Twitter, this guy Simon Gwynn posted Interestingly, real life trolley problems in America now, if you had the chance to kill Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito, the two oldest right wing Supreme Court justices, should you do so while Biden can get his nominees to replace them? And Twitter, by the way, did not take that down. He himself took that down. But uh, that's what they're saying there. That's not extremist. Let's kill children and let's kill the Supreme Court justices that uh, made this decision to hand this back to the states. By the way, Mother's Day, don't forget mom, this Sunday, uh, pro-abortion activists are now targeting Catholic churches on Mother's Day. Uh, if, if, and, and listen, everybody, everybody needs to remember this. They might be targeting Roman Catholic churches, but uh, d- don't worry, if you are pro-life, you'll be Next. So we need to stand with the Roman Catholic churches that are standing up for life and just saying, no, you're not going there. It's already happened, by the way. They're already defacing uh, churches across the country. and uh, But apparently, this Sunday, you're going to have some of these uh, extremists on the left groups get up in the middle of uh, sacred worship services, and uh, they will then begin to scream and uh, holler concerning their their liberal views when it comes to abortion. Uh, And again, uh, not only is this going to happen in churches, it is happening at the Supreme Court, it is also happening at the justices' homes. Yesterday, Peter Ducey from Fox News asked Jen Psaki if uh, this indeed is where the administration is coming from. Do they embrace the idea? This is cut one, Clark. Well, do they embrace the idea that these justices' homes are it's proper to go and uh, protest there. Do you think the progressive activists that are now planning protests outside some of the justices' houses are extreme?
2: Peaceful protest? No, peaceful protest is not extreme.
0: Some of these justices have young kids, their neighbors are not all public figures. So would the president think about waving off activists that want to go into residential neighborhoods in Virginia and Maryland?
2: I think our view here is that peaceful protest, there's a long history in the United States and the country of that. And we certainly encourage people to uh, keep it peaceful and not resort to any level of violence.
0: These activists posted a map with the home addresses of the Supreme Court justices. Is that the kind of thing this president wants to help your side make their point?
2: Look, I think the president's view is that there's a lot of passion, a lot of fear. Uh, a lot of uh, sadness from many, many people across this country about what they saw in that leaked document. Uh, We obviously want people's privacy to be respected. We want people to protest peacefully if they want to to protest. That is certainly what the President's view would be.
0: So he doesn't care if they're protesting outside the Supreme Court or outside someone's private residence? I
2: I don't have an official U.S. government position on where people protest. I want it, we we want it, of course, to be peaceful. And certainly the President would want people's uh, privacy to be respected. But I think we shouldn't lose the point here. The reason people are protesting is because women across the country are worried about their fundamental rights that have been law for 50 years, their rights to make choices about their own bodies and their own health care are at risk
0: Uh, you know it's interesting that if you are triggered if you are upset that gives you the right to do what you want unless you're a conservative and on january the 6th you thought that the uh there was some hanky-panky going on in the election and you wanted to peaceably protest that at the capitol in that case you're an insurrectionist and she she makes this statement that so uh, on the past 50 years concerning Roe, we can't remove it because the past, the past 50 years it's been there and it's been legal. Well, how about going about the, the previous 200 years since the founding of our nation when we followed the Constitution and abortion was wrong, illegal and criminal? But uh, no, no tolerance when it comes to January 6 2021. And interestingly, when those, quote, peaceful protests were happening on January 6 2021, which the vast majority of those protests were peaceful, set aside the Capitol Police shooting one of the protesters and killing her. Uh, yet that was an insurrection. And again, the judiciary is fully a third of our federal government protests not only at the SCOTUS building, but also at the homes of justices. But these are peaceful protests, she says. That is the biggest bunch of malarkey. Uh, These so-called peaceful protests are full of harassment, screaming, noise, intimidation. Remember when one of these so-called peaceful protests were happening at the home of Tucker Carlson last year? Uh, His wife feared for her life when these peaceful protesters started coming up and and beating down the front door of their home literally these are the peaceful protest i mean it's interesting how they frame these so called peaceful protest when it comes to their asserting what they think is their right and their authority. Hey, we've got uh, to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by yet another candidate that's going to be on the ballot on May the 17th. Stay with us. More news and views coming right up. Shotgun with your 5 o'clock drive. A drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. News and views for a Friday. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast for the weekend. Uh, Scattered thunderstorms tonight. A few storms may be severe, low around 65. Chance of rain tonight about 50%. Saturday, partly cloudy skies in the morning hours. Thunderstorms likely in the afternoon, a high in the upper 70s. Showers in the evening, and then Sunday, it cools down. The high on Sunday will be in the mid... uh, Well, according to this forecast that uh, my uh, producer gave me, the high on Sunday is only going to be around 55. Now, up on the screen, we've got 69. Either way, it's going to be cool. 55 sounds like it's uh, a little too cool. But it is going to cool down anyway come uh, Mother's Day. So uh, don't forget Mom on Mother's Day. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Warmer weather is here. What a better way to get out and enjoy the outdoors with family and friends than being greenside or poolside. Voted best golf course in Greenville three years in a row, Ironwood Golf and Country Club is waiving all initiation fees. They want you to join in the fun. Become a member today. If you're not a golfer, Ironwood's new social membership includes access to the competition-sized swimming pool, clay service tennis courts, and member-only full-service restaurant. For more information, contact Membership Director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252 752 53 well as you uh, are well aware we're uh, not too many days away from the may 17th primary Uh, today is uh, may the 6th so we're looking at 11 days we'll be out voting if you haven't voted early stephen pete benton is running for north carolina house district 13 the seat is currently being held by patricia uh, mcelraft who is retiring Uh, Also running in this primary, um, in this rather conservative district, is Eden Gordon-Hill and Celeste Karens. We've had both of those uh, women on with us here on News and Views today. Uh, Pete, welcome in.
1: Thank you, Tom. Glad to be back in Greenville, and I'm very proud to be a Pirate. Well, uh, yeah, we were talking about before
0: we uh, went on the air, uh, you were playing uh, for the Pirates on their football team, uh, along with Ruffin McNeil. Ruffin McNeil's a brother and a great guy. He... uh, Stayed with football a little longer than you did. Uh, yes, sir. You, uh, you had a stint in the military, but i tell you what, I'm going to let you give the uh, three-minute uh, Pete Benton bio, because a lot of our listeners are listening, and um, I'm sure a
1: handful know you, but I'm sure there's a lot more that would like to get to know you. Thank you. I'm a native North Carolinian, and I grew up in Havelock, North Carolina. My dad was chief of police and um, had a wonderful upbringing. I'm an Eagle Scout. I went to East Carolina and then decided to uh, leave to serve my country right at the end of Vietnam. I did not serve in Vietnam, but I'm a Vietnam-era veteran. After my uh, stand in the Navy, I went back to school here in East Carolina, earning undergrad and graduate degrees in political science. And I had the great, uh, matter of fact, to join Air Force ROTC, got my commission, went to Pope Air Force Base, Fayetteville, was there during uh, the Grenada invasion, and was selected to be the deputy commander of the presidential honor guard for Ronald Reagan and George Bush.
0: I saw that. that. Now, that part really fascinated me. Um, thank you. Did you, I uh, and what a great honor, and thank you for your military service yes, for all
1: those years. Did you actually have a chance at all to interact with President Reagan? Occasionally we would, and I have to say that Ronald Reagan was a blessing to this great nation. He gave us three incredible gifts, Tom, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest one of all was love. He made us proud to be Americans again. He did. And he believed in less taxes, smaller government, and more freedom. Now when uh you were a political science
0: major um did you think that you would uh, run for office i mean what was your at the time was it just a fascination or
1: did you have goals in the back of your mind well i was inspired by ronald reagan and george bush that uh The greatest thing we can do as Americans is serve our God in this great nation. And uh, Senator John P. East uh, was one of my professors at East Carolina who taught me political science, and he was a great inspiration. As a matter of fact, in 1980, thanks to Senator Jesse Helms, he was elected to the U.S. Senate. That kind of inspired me, and a lot of folks don't know that John East was a Marine Corps lieutenant stationed, Mm. I believe, at Camp Lejeune. Mm. And, you know, public service is just that. Uh, John Adams, vice president under George Washington, once said, when considering those for high public office, we must pick men of high moral character. Right. Yeah, without moral character, the whole mm-hmm. it, it, this this form of government, this
0: republic, cannot stand without men of, of yeah. high, and and a, a people of moral character. Um. So you uh, you went to East Carolina, you did a stint in the Navy, then you came back and you joined the
1: Air Force. Yes, sir. As my wife says, the country club. Um, is that what the Air <laughs> Force is considered in yeah. a military family? Because yeah. your wife is military too, right? I met her in Washington. Um, when I was in the honor guard, she was a general dentist at Bowling Air Force Base. And we met through a mutual friend and... Uh, we were married May the 6th, 1989. She's a Pennsylvania girl. Went to school at the University of Pittsburgh. So okay. Very proud of her. And uh, she spent seven months in Thumb rate in Riyadh when I was recalled active duty in 1990. I was uh, working with as an air transportation officer during Desert Shield, Desert Storm.
0: We're talking to Pete Benton, who's running for the North Carolina House District 13. When um, you considered... Now, well, let me back up a little bit further.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, is this the first... Uh, time you've jumped into running for political office no sir in 2013 when i retired from the military and the federal government my wife says um if you think for one minute you're going to sit at home and play golf and go fishing in walnut creek i have some bad news for you she said you need to go out and get a job i said well honey what i'm going to do she said become a politician they don't do anything <laughs> <laughs> well politicians might
0: not statesmen actually i think do uh, so uh, t- tell us exactly what your political
1: career has looked like. It started in 2013. I had some friends of mine who were in the state legislature in the NC um, Senate. They said, once you retire, we're going to put you in the NC House uh, representing uh, Wayne County. And unfortunately, I had the redistricting, and the gentleman that I was going to replace was um, ousted by another gentleman. But I had some friends that said, look, we need some good councilmen here in Walnut Creek. And I said, okay. So three of us covered 400 plus homes and I was elected to the city council and I thwarted a major $7 million sewer expansion program because they wanted to force it upon 116 people who were my constituents. I went to the people door to door and I said, how do you feel about this? And we said, we don't support it. So I stood up against the mayor, the deputy mayor and the other councilman. I said, I will not support this because hmm. the people don't.
0: And did it fail? It failed. There you go.
1: So... If
0: you were to win this race, um, one of the things that you're going to be dealing with probably sooner rather than later, or I suppose it could be dealt with prior to you uh, taking office, assuming you win. Uh, but uh, the, the whole situation with um, the, the leaking of this Supreme Court case, the opinion on the Dobbs case, which would, uh, if, if that does prevail, if that opinion or some form of that opinion goes ahead and it, it becomes uh, the opinion that the majority of the Supreme Court vote on and it sends the row, the abortion issue, back to the states, that will be something that the state of North Carolina is going to have to deal with. Now, we were talking to Keith Kidwell yesterday on the air, and he was mm-hmm. saying it, 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 while it's not absolutely certain, it looks like there is a possibility that we would go back to the laws that was on the books back in 1973 when Roe right. took over, but that, but that wasn't necessarily they were they have, they I haven't been absolutely sure or certain that that is what's going to happen. But how would you deal with that if, uh, if it, if and when it does come back to the states?
1: Well, I believe the power belongs to the states. If you look at the U.S. Constitution, supreme law of the land, our founding fathers, in infinite wisdom, realized that an, uh, the federal government has a propensity for abuses of power. Okay, and I believe that really the power comes from the states. All right. And I think that is something that, uh, personally, uh, I'm a very strong Christian man, and I'm an American patriot, and I have very strong opinions about the abortion issue, but um, I would um, be very, very diligent in evaluating both sides of the fence to make the best decision for the people of North Carolina. You talk about your Christian faith. Is that, is that your moral compass? Is that how you, you make decisions? Believe. Dr. Stephen Covey once said, in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that highly effective people, their moral compass always points to true north. Hmm. He's talking about character and confidence. Right. right. And that's something that we need in government today. Boy, you talk about that being lacking, yes. Thank you.
0: You and the other two candidates have both labeled yourself as as pretty strong conservatives and district 13 is pretty strong conservative district what um why would pete benton be the the person that they ought to check the box for pull the lever for
1: thank you for asking the question first and foremost i am an eastern north carolina young man i grew up in the havelock area in craven county i understand the issues that are imperative to eastern North Carolina. In particular, uh, I recall vividly when Congressman Walter B. Jones Sr. and Senator B. Everett Jordan in the 1960s saved the gates. Cherry Point brings in almost $2.2 billion worth of income to Mm -hmm. eastern North Carolina. Believe it or not, there are 775,000 veterans in the state of North Carolina. And I'll tell you, the veterans and the jobs are at the top of my list. There's an old saying is that you can tell a lot by country by how they treat their veterans, okay? I served my country for almost 33 years because I believe in God, I believe in this great country, and I believe in the blessings of liberty, okay? Uh, Furthermore, down east, what's important is taking care of the fishermen and tourism. Uh, Tourism provides about 3,200 jobs in local area and brings in $325 million, but if you look at Cherry Point, you look at Fort Macon, you look at Camp Lejeune, the triad there, they provide wonderful jobs and benefits to the people of eastern North Carolina. And one of the things I'm looking at, their FRC East, um, I have a lot of intimate knowledge about the military because 12 years ago I was in Germany. I was a senior war planner. I worked for a Navy four-star mm-hmm. admiral. I understand the importance of a strong national military. Okay, They're bringing in the F Joint Strike Fighters. Uh, F-35s, and it comes to fifth generation, they're bringing in the A models, going to go to the Air Force, the B are going to the Marines, and the C are going to the Navies. That's the next generation. I'm working hard with other people. I served on the Governor's Military Affairs Commission in Raleigh for several years, and what we need to do to stabilize economically and enhance the growth of eastern North Carolina is to bring those jobs and make it, you know, FRC East the key maintenance repair facility in eastern North Carolina. You look at the military, you look at the uh,
0: tourist industry down at the beach, obviously, and the fishing industry, those are very important. But yet at the same time, how do you draw additional industry, additional jobs to the eastern part of the state, which compared to other parts of the states seems like we're lacking
1: absolutely well first and foremost you know we have i I believe i've done some preliminary evaluation uh, looking at our port there's only two ports in north carolina there's wilmington and moorhead city i'm looking at some ways to more effectively utilize the resources of our port there in moorhead city and what i also think if a lot of people don't realize you know how many engineers there are at cherry point 800 Hmm. 800 engineers okay um Again, if we can continue to expand FRCEs to make it the hub of the military for all of these joint strike fighters, that'll bring a lot of jobs and a lot of income to North Carolina. Second only to agriculture, the U.S. military presence is a multi billion dollar industry here in North Carolina. And I like to say we're first in defense. Well, the uh, website is what? com.
0: That's pretty easy one to remember. And uh, May the 17th is uh, is the day we'll find out who is going to be the Republican nominee for House District 13. And again, it's a fairly conservative district. So yes, sir. this is really probably the race that is going to count. I mean, you you will have a... Uh, a general election race uh, whoever the winner is but uh, chances are it will be a republican
1: pete thanks for stopping by good to meet you if i may in memory of my former boss ronald reagan i have a ronald reagan presidential honor guard coin for you wow Uh, always remember tom if you rub the coin three times it'll bring you the luck of the irish (laughs) (laughs) pete thank you my pleasure
0: I'm, i'm honored stay with us more news and views coming up
1: A collection of question marks. A lot of questions.
2: Why? How?
1: No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare.
2: Worst nightmare of their lives. This long nationwide nightmare
0: we'll start collecting clues as to the why's the what's and the where's
2: neighborhood by neighborhood literally knocking on doors this is your worst nightmare
0: the nightmare it would be a nightmare worst nightmare we will not end the nightmare we'll only explain it explain to us because this yes this. this is news and views with tom and benny on talk 96.3 and 103.7 welcome back in news and views for a friday interestingly uh, when we're talking to uh, pete bennett about his uh, race for the North Carolina House District 13, he's talking about you know getting back to uh, solid values. Christian headlines is reporting an atheist is petitioning to get the Bible ban from schools in Florida in protest of Ron DeSantis' bill requiring curriculum transparency. Chaz Stevens, an activist ordained minister, that seems like an oxymoron, and founder of the Mount Jab church of mars (laughs) i'm not making it up the mount jab church of mars sent letters to 63 florida school districts requesting that the bible be banned from classrooms libraries and all other institutional materials he also set set up a gun go fund me page titled help us ban the bible in florida public schools I, i got news for you um we need and listen uh, we're, we're not saying you've, that it's mandatory that you believe everything in the Bible, but uh, the Bible, among other things, is a historic document. I mean, I, I'm sure this guy would like to label it as full of uh, myths and fables, but uh, it, it has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, and uh, a lot of good moral principles in the Scriptures. PJ media is reporting on this disinformation governance board. The head of this board shudders at the thought of free speech. Absolutist taking over more platforms. Biden's disinformation governance board chief Nina Jankowicz has given us new indication of how negatively she regards the freedom of speech in a mid April NRP interview, national public radio it's getting renewed scrutiny this interview as because of her appointment to the head of the quote Ministry of Truth Jankowitz was asked about what she thought about the prospect of Elon Musk who says he is a free speech absolutist taking over Twitter Jankowitz's answer was hardly reassuring to those who see the very existence of a disinformation governance board as an all out assault on the first amendment this is what she said back in March concerning um, Elon Musk taking over Twitter. I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms, what it would look like for the marginalized communities around the world, which are already shouldering so much of this abuse, disapp- uh, disappro- appro- appropriation amounts of this abuse and re-traumatizing themselves as they try to protect themselves from it You know, reporting, blocking, et cetera. We need the platforms to do more, and we frankly need law enforcement and our legislators to become more, uh, doing more as well. And in other countries that are looking at this, you know, the United Kingdom has an online safety bill that's being considered right now where they're trying to make illegal this currently, quote, awful but lawful content that exists online where people are being harassed. I mean, this ought to set off alarm bells. I mean, she is all for the legislature, Congress, to set laws limiting free speech, which is uh, rather interesting. The First Amendment says that Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. It does not say that someone's freedom of speech can be abridged in cases where some government board has decided that the uh, target is saying um, uh, that that the target is saying constitutes disinformation. Uh, here here's now this is really interesting Some think about this because Jankowitz is being promoted by the executive branch the first amendment says congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech now i'm sure they would interpret that well i'm not congress so therefore i guess i can create law no you can't <laughs> i mean is it quite the antithesis the benefit of the doubt is given to the freedom of speech not to, the, not to the individual being targeted or the government deciding who has uh, got the right to speak and who does not have the right to speak. The benefit of the doubt is given to the individual and that individual's freedom of speech, not the government. And again, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. No mention of the executive branch. Why? Because they have no right to create law. That's not how our government works. And yet, for all intents and purposes, once again, just like Obama said, I've got a pen and a phone and I can bypass Congress. That's exactly what the Biden administration is attempting to do with this. I don't know why they're even debating whether or not this is a good idea or a bad idea. The executive branch has no right to create this. By the way, (laughs) interestingly, Newsmax is reporting Joe Biden's new press secretary. Jen Psaki is uh, retiring. She's going to have a stint, I think, over at MSNBC. So the new uh, replacement for Jen Psaki is Karen Jean Perry Perry, and uh, former official and activist at MoveOn.org, a a George Soros group. She is going to replace Jen Psaki. Uh, She has come out and made some really anti-Semitic remarks. And she has encouraged Democratic presidential candidates of the past to boycott the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee. She also wrote that the Trump administration had sabotaged the nuclear Iran deal created by Obama. She said that uh, the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee is racist, severely racist, Islamophobic, The organization has become known for trafficking in anti-Muslim, anti-Arab rhetoric while lifting up Islamophobic voices and attitudes. So just interesting that this person that puts out this kind of drivel is now going to be the Biden press secretary. So would she be monitored by this disinformation governance board? Uh, Interestingly, the, the Biden administration wants to start a ministry of truth. And yet the first person they might need to investigate is this new press secretary. Stay with us more news and views coming up. Back to News and Views, Talk 96.3 and 1037. Uh, this is rather bizarre. You, you heard earlier this week about Dave Chappelle's uh, attack he was on stage and this nut attacked him with some sort of gun knife or something but so he comes up, tackles him. He, he's armed. The DA out in L.A., the district attorney's office, this guy, Gascon, uh, he's basically just charged the guy with a misdemeanor. I mean, Chappelle could have been killed. He was attacked violently with a weapon. And he, he, he's charging with a misdemeanor. There is outrage all over the country. Now, if there's a silver lining to all this, Maybe some of these liberals in, in the entertainment community and out in Los Angeles will begin to see, and there's been a lot of protests and a lot of people that uh, have begun to comment how we need to get back to some law and order and justice coming out of the mouths of people that you wouldn't necessarily think would be speaking that way. But uh, this guy, George Gascon, is, uh, he is bad news. He is uh, George Soros all over but it's interesting, he lets him go, you know. If, you, if This guy said he was triggered, and so he had the right to attack Dave Chappelle, and uh, he did. So this guy, this district attorney, well, if you're triggered, then we're going to let you off. Apparently that's how it works now. Hey, listen, have a great weekend. Happy Mother's Day. We'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.